So on behalf of Chess, I'd like to welcome you to the April 2016 podcast. I'm Kyle Hogarth from the University of Chicago, editor of the podcast section. Thanks for joining us today for what's going to be another terrific conversation. My first guest is Dr. Gurinder Singh. He's a fellow from the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. He's here to discuss his article, Association of Psychological Disorders with 30-Day Readmission Rates in Patients with Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease. Grinder, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Dr. Hogwart. Also joining us is Dr. Ababal Johannes from the Department of Health Professions at Manchester Metropolitan University in Manchester, United Kingdom. He's here to talk about his accompanying editorial, Treat the Brain to Improve the Lungs, Mental Illness as a Risk Factor for Readmission in COPD. Ababal, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Hargat, for having me. Okay, guys, so let's, let's get started. Um, Grinder, let, give us some background here. What, what made you even look for this association, and, and you know, why should we care? And then after that, we'll, we'll talk about what you actually found and, and get the discussion going. Yeah, sure. Uh, so currently, there is a lot of interest in uh, looking at uh, different factors which can influence 30-day readmission in patients with COPD, especially since CMS has included 30-day uh, readmission for COPD to list of conditions which it is monitoring under hospital readmission reduction program. And the hospitals which will have excess of these readmissions, they are going to be penalized. So uh, that's why there is a lot of spotlight on 30-day readmission for COPD. And uh, from previous literature, we know that uh, uh, psychological disorders uh, they are common in patients uh, with COPD, and uh, some studies have shown that uh, patients who have these disorders, they have poor quality of life. But uh, uh, to my knowledge, nobody has looked at the association of these disorders with 30-day readmission. So that's why we decided to uh, look at these disorders as uh, they could be uh, potential uh, treatable variables uh, to reduce 30-day readmission. Terrific. So what did your group find? Go ahead and let's expand on your data. So um, we used uh, 5% uh, national sample of uh, Medicare beneficiaries uh, between 2001 to 2011. And uh, we were in interested in understanding the role of uh, psychological disorders um, in 30-day readmission in patients who have COPD. So we looked at the patients uh, who were hospitalized between 2001 to 2011 with diagnosis of COPD. And uh, then we examined uh, if they have any pre-existing psychological disorders uh, by using ICD-9 codes. So we examined five conditions, uh, depression, anxiety, psychosis, alcohol abuse, and drug abuse. And then we compared the 30-day readmission rates in patients with and without these psychological disorders. So our aim was to, um, main outcome uh, for our study was to look at the association um, of psychological disorders with all-cause 30-day readmission rates in patients who had initial hospitalization for COPD. And so it was all-cause, so you were trying to, I mean, it wasn't just teasing out whether or not this was a COPD readmission per se, and again, you know, we, as so, you talk about in your article, you know, there's always issues with how things are coded, but, but to those limits, it was a, an examination of, you know, anything that brings you back into the hospital in the next 30 days, is there an association between plus or minus having a psychological disorder? 
so uh, you're right. We mainly uh, first uh, focus on identifying patients who were initially admitted for COPD, and then we looked at them for 30 days to see if they were readmitted. And uh, it was for all-cause readmission because from previous work we know that uh, more than of, more than two-thirds of the readmissions are for causes other than COPD. So that's why we decided to look at all-cause 30-day readmission in these patients. Okay, great. And, and and so tell us what I mean. Give us you know some of the data on 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 the association that you found. So um, some of the key findings from our study. Uh, first, we found that uh, uh, similar to prior studies, uh, more than one fifth of the patients who get hospitalized for COPD uh, they do have coexisting psychological disorders. And uh, also, we found that patients who had psychological disorders they had higher rates of 30-day readmission for all cause. And uh, third, interestingly, we also found that uh, there is a dose-response phenomena uh, where as the number of uh, psychological disorder increases, uh, the risk of readmission also went up. Like, for example, patients who did not have any psychological disorders, their 30-day readmission was around 16%. And patients who had anxiety or depression alone, their readmission rate was around 20%. But in patients who had coexisting anxiety and depression both, their readmission rate was higher at 24%. So these psychological disorders seem to have an additive effect on 30-day readmission. And uh, finally, we also found that the impact of psychological disorders on 30-day readmission was uh, actually much higher than any of the other parameters which we looked at for disease severity, like we looked at the length of stay in the hospital during index hospitalization, admission to ICU, or use of mechanical ventilation. Uh, these five psychological disorders, they actually predicted uh, 30-day readmission uh, even stronger than any other surrogate uh, parameters which we looked at. That, I mean, I read your study with, with such interest, and, and, and as the data uh, was was. Uh, you know, as I was reading through it, I, I was struck by, of course, uh, just the, the severity of the numbers. I mean, as you were just alluding to the additive effect, I mean, if you have depression plus anxiety plus psychosis, the 30-day readmission rate was at 30%. That's staggering. I mean, the numbers were small in the number of patients, but, but still, um, that was staggering. What, what, um, Ababal, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think that is quite uh, interesting. Um, in a way, it is the first study to actually to uh, look at uh, these three uh, psychiatric disorders, which are uh, have a major impact on COPD patients. So, from that point of view, it is uh, very exciting, and also it's also a new phenomena in a way that is the uh, impact of psychiatric disorders. Um, previously, uh, what has been done was just to look at individually, looking at either depression or anxiety. But here we have that. They looked at three things, especially uh, the impact they have you know, alco- alcohol and as well as drug These are quite important uh, from this uh, particular study that have uh, looked at uh, in terms of uh, readmission. Well, I- I'm struck by, you know, the, the article obviously highlighting this, and then I'm, what I'm also struck by is, as a person who's you know not a uh, psychological disease expert, but struck by the what always seems like a generalized lack of resources for a lot of these patients uh, within, particularly the U.S. health system, um, underinsured or under you know they have very little in the way of benefits, etc. And it 
it strikes me that you know, that your data, uh, Grinder, highlights a, a major issue, obviously, for, for uh, that's complicating a goal of trying to reduce our readmission rate, but yet we seem to be pretty lack, uh, lacking the, the resources to try to help correct this. No, that's very true. And uh, the first thing is the challenge is to identify these conditions because it's very difficult uh, to say that uh, uh, if anxiety or depression is actually causing COPD to get worse or actually patients are having these symptoms because their disease is actually getting worse because right. some studies previously have shown that there is a bidirectional relationship. And uh, other thing is that uh, um, um, when the patients are coming to the clinic, the clinicians are usually not screening these patients uh, for these disorders. So uh, we feel that uh, uh, the patients, uh, when they come to the clinic, they should be screened with some standardized screening tools like we can use uh, patient healthcare questionnaire 9 or we can use a hospital anxiety depression scale so that we can screen them for this, these disorders and identify them. Bababa, what do you think? No, I agree with what has been said so far. Yes, it's true that um, there is also issue that um, a lot of patients, uh, they do not articulate, especially when they think of like uh, you know, having a mental health problems, because they would say that is very often, I've come to the clinic just because I have uh, chest problems, not on my in my head. So, I mean, I've had uh, experiences, patients saying to me, do you think I'm mad? You know. So right. that's why there is what you call a patient denial because they don't want to admit that they are suffering from uh, mental health uh, problems. Therefore, I think it is important, as it has been alluded earlier, that uh, a valid questionnaire and then also clinicians have to be proactive rather than uh, find to find out you know, what the patient is uh, experiencing. And so, therefore, that at least... You know, having uh, a specific uh, scale would be useful in, a, in order to prompt the patient that they're having these problems. And then also that, you know, from our own study that we found that uh, a lot of patients, um, if you talk about depression or anxiety, they think that is, well, that is more to do uh, something more psychiatric. I'm, I'm here probably because of my chest. Therefore, uh, it is important, I think, that healthcare professionals to be aware that uh, these disorders are real, these disorders need to be attention, and then so that the patient could benefit uh, as well. So for that reason, it is important to make sure that uh, the patient's been followed, especially if they have any acute episodes uh, in case if they, if the physician identified that the patient is maybe having a problem at home or maybe they lost a loved one or if they have any major life events happening in their life, I think it's a good idea uh, for the physician to find out about the, uh, the patient's problems, whether they are suffering from these uh, psychiatric disorders. So, so do either of you know if we aggressively pursued treating someone's underlying depression or anxiety, for example, will that have any influence on their overall COPD. I, I think, Grinder, you hinted at this. It's a, you know, if I can't breathe, that probably makes me pretty anxious. So which is, you know, the chicken and an egg phenomenon here, right? You know, um, or is that that the kind of other scenario I think you, you highlight in your article as well, that 
if I'm suffering, if I'm an alcohol abuser suffering from depression, what's the probability I'm going to remember to take my inhalers? Or what's the probability that your smoking cessation efforts are going to be successful, you know, for example? What do you guys think? Yeah, so like uh, the, we included patients uh, um, like alcohol abuse and drug abuse in our study because many of these patients have underlying undiagnosed and untreated uh, psychiatric disorders as well. And uh, the most of the patients with these psychological disorders, uh, especially like depression, uh, they don't have uh, great motivation to actually use their medications or to participate in pulmonary rehab. So uh, this ends up in uh, uh, suboptimal treatment and uh, likely is contributing to uh, poor outcomes like uh, worsening, uh, increased exacerbation and the possible hospitalization. So um, that's why we try to highlight uh, these conditions. What do you think, Amabha? Uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, at the moment is uh, it is quite rare that, you know, from healthcare professionals to be actually being actively pursuing whether the patient, when the patient, you know, presents the symptoms. So maybe the, the GP may, or the general practitioner may think that, oh, it's wait and see, or, or maybe think of a psychological um, intervention, which are quite uh, not readily available, especially in the United Kingdom, you, know, you have a waiting list. For that reason, you know, these conditions have not been easily treated. And the other thing is that is because some of the symptoms of uh, depression are mimicking the, uh, the symptoms of COPD. Therefore, uh, sometimes it's quite difficult to find out you know, whether it is uh, the physical symptom or it is due to the actual psychiatric problem that the patient is uh, suffering from. So that's why uh, it's important to distinguish that as much as possible and uh, in routine you know, uh, care visits, it's quite important to use uh, the valid uh, scales, like uh, the hospital anxiety depression scale or the pain health questionnaire, to making sure that, that the patient is not having this, what we call a revolving uh, type of syndrome, whereby you know, one time they feel low and then another time high, or you know, there is always a high and low you know, going on this patient. So therefore, it is important. Uh, to make sure that the patients are uh, well treated. So, so Grinder, tell us then about. So, let's go to your clinic. Um, are, is, is does your group in, in your practice do they uh, you know at the at the um, Texas medical medical branch? Do you guys actively screen for depression uh, at your pulmonary clinic? So, um, you know, it, it is a work in progress, actually. Sure. So uh, after we looked at our data and, uh, um, you know, we introduced a COPD flow sheet in our clinic. So yeah. we have incorporated the screening for uh, depression in that COPD flow sheet. So we are using PHQ-9 in our patients, because it's not, but it is not institutional-wide yet. We may okay. need to look at it in pulmonary clinic, but we hope yeah. to expand it to the whole institute. Me, can I ask you then, I mean, obviously you... you uh, this is a loaded question, but can you anecdotally, so fully recognizing that I'm not asking you to present me strong data here yet that's been vetted out or even presented, but as you've instituted this, have you found that, uh, that you're you know, even finding at a higher rate of, of psychological disorder than what uh, your data was demonstrating? Uh, just anecdotally, just in your experience so far. So uh, some of my patients, like especially which we see in my fellows clinic, uh, so I have screened them. And depending on the severity of the symptoms and their other comorbidities, 
you know, I do. I have referred some of them to psychiatry for a proper psychiatric evaluation. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, you know, and uh, a few of them have been starting on started on antidepressants, but uh, uh, I'm yet to see a patient where I have seen uh, like a, a significant improvement. We are looking at CAT scores to look at their symptoms. Uh, but uh, there are a number of variables. They may not be just related to psychological disorders. Their sure. actual disease process may be improving because they're using their medications as well. Um, so we know from uh, the data we have in the literature that uh, at this time we cannot say that uh, uh, treating uh, these psychological disorders with pharmacotherapy, does it really improve the outcomes, especially 30-day readmission? We don't have enough data to say uh, that does it really help. Like Dr. Johannes and them, they did uh, extensive meta-analysis and looked at different studies, and uh, they looked at all the antidepressants. But we don't have a clear data to say that if we treat these conditions, uh, it will really help with the uh, outcomes like 30-day readmission. But we do know that uh, treating uh, these disorders does improve quality of life, and uh, there seems to be some promise in using cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, pulmonary rehab. So we are referring a lot of these patients to pulmonary rehab with the hope that once they start uh, becoming more active, uh, it may help with their symptoms as well. Ababa, what do you think? No, I think uh, uh, it is uh, important, um, uh, as Dr. Singh said, that you know all these uh, physical, psychological measures uh, uh, to uh, be included in the assessment as well as in the treatment of patients. So I think uh, I agree with that. And um, but what is uh, very often is lacking is that even in a pulmonary rehab program is that is it's a generalized program, and very often a patient who is especially with moderate to severe depression uh, may not uh, uh, get that enough uh, maybe a dose of uh, intervention so that it could make that a big difference uh, in terms of their uh, outcomes. So. Uh, I suggest that maybe it would be ideal to actually to think about, you know, those maybe who score with a high level of uh, anxiety or depressive symptoms to be actually, you know, to get uh, a specifically designed exercise program interventions so that they can get, you know, more of the exercise so that whether exercise has any uh, major benefits in terms of uh, treating depression is worthy of consideration at this stage because at this moment is what we have is all the pulmonary rehab programs, what they do is that is the people who have didn't have any anxiety or depressive symptoms will be in the pool so that at least we'll have like this amino score very often uh, it doesn't tell very much. So if we have specifically uh, tailored exercise program for this patient group would be ideal. But I guess, you know, this has to be considered in terms of cost and uh, resources, availability, and so forth. But this is something to uh, think about for the future research. Well, it also struck me because the paper also highlights that depression increased, uh, showed an increased length of stay, uh, that it was a predictor for that, and not just obviously for readmission, but then once you're in, you stay longer. Um, thoughts as to why, um, but also, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts as to why, but also, um, uh, it comes back to that usual issue. You're right, you know, as you just stated, we don't know that an aggressive intervention for depression will necessarily impact COPD readmissions, but given that it influences so many other disorders and, at a minimum, quality of life, um, it does strike me that in an area that could be actively investigated uh, to then uh, argue for better resources for this. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's quite important. I think especially, you know, when you think about uh, inpatient rehabilitation is very often it's quite uh, rare. I, I know that I've had um, some experience in the state. You know, you have like three weeks inpatient rehab programs for patients with COPD. In the UK, and I know from other countries, they don't have that an inpatient uh, program. So therefore, depression is often undetected, untreated. Therefore, those who have moderate or moderate to uh, depressive symptoms are most likely to uh, recover quickly because uh, of that exacerbation, and then because of that, you know, there's a loss of motivation in terms of to participate in exercise programs, to get on going, it will be taking longer. So that's why it takes uh, longer uh, in terms of their um, rehabilitation. That's why maybe some of the patients um, will uh, stay longer. The other thing is maybe uh, would be what you know, it's a systemic inflammation as well. You know, happening that because of that, you know, it takes a longer time. You know, for the patients to recover from that point of view. So I think there are some you know other areas we should you know explore whether uh, uh, treating these patients you know not only. Uh, to uh, reduce the uh, acute exacerbations, also treating depression simultaneously would make a big difference in this patient group would be worthy of uh, exploration. Gurinder, I'm wondering, did, when you guys, when, when table three from your paper, looking at the additive effects of the psychological disorders, and as we talked about earlier, did you find, uh, and maybe you didn't because you were focused, obviously, on the psychiatric disorders, but did you find other cumulative, additive, non-psychiatric factors that influence this? You know, those, you know, you were a, a depressed, anxious, alcoholic who's also obese. You know, did obesity play a role, et cetera? I'm just curious, did, was that looked at at all or presumably not given the focus of your paper, but I'm just curious if there were other influencing factors. So uh, we did not look at obesity specifically, but we looked at uh, um, most of the comorbidities which are included in Alex Hauser Comorbidity Index. Right. And uh, so um, we did find that the patients who have these psychological disorders, they are more likely to have more than other two, more than two other uh, comorbidities which included like heart failure, diabetes. We looked at uh, the whole uh, Alex Hauser Comorbidity Index. So the patients who have psychological disorders, they tend to have more comorbidities in addition to these disorders and COPD. So I think that may be also contributing to overall symptom burden they have and their difficulty to cope with the stress once they go in exacerbation and they end up in the hospital. Well, and as you highlighted as well, um, you know, only a third of the readmissions were directly related to COPD. And so clearly if these other comorbid conditions, you know, heart failure, like you stated, are not being well managed. Uh, your 30-day readmission rate, though, you know, there doesn't, isn't necessarily directly related to a pulmonary condition per se. Uh, so, um, you know, it's very difficult to tease out the patients who have both COPD and heart failure because mainly we are looking at administrative data and, uh, um, you know, there could be under-reporting as well. And uh, now COPD is being included and heart failure was included earlier. So we'll have to see how the trend changes, how people are coding it. 
So, uh, you know, that's one caution that our study, it, it, this is not a cause and effect study. Right. So we are actually looking at an administrative database. So we have a lot of limitations in this study. But at least it gives us an overall picture at a national level that how our, our elderly patients, uh, what kind of burden they have for these disorders. But I think uh, it's, it's a challenge in COPD patients that we need to uh, actually manage all their comorbidities and try to identify that what are the other risk factors they have, and we can manage them in addition to uh, treating their COPD. So we need to focus at the overall patient, not just looking at the COPD when they come to us in the clinic. I think it's that argument of, of clinic and hospital being, a, especially for COPD, uh, trying to make them more of a continuum as opposed to two completely separate entities. And, and you know, that's very true. In the previous work, it has been noted that the, uh, most of the readmissions, they are actually within first two weeks. And uh, if we try to schedule either outpatient visit or a, a home visit or at least a call to see how after the discharge, I think those are all the interventions which may be helpful, and especially if we have identified the patients like who have a high comorbidity burden at the time of discharge. So with a good discharge planning, it's possible that uh, if we have a good follow-up on these patients and there is continuity of care, um, that we may be able to reduce the hereditary readmission in these patients. Which it's the whole goal of the uh, HRRP program, right? So hold yeah, on for <laughs> exactly. Um, well, guys, we've been talking for a little bit, and I want to be respectful of everybody's time. Um, Can I just add something else? Please, that was please. That was that yeah. was my intro. Good, yeah. good segue, yeah, Doctor Johannes. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think we're, we're, no problem. No, I, I was thinking because um, the you know the first things. Uh, um, and colleagues also identified that you know, lower socioeconomic status is uh, one of the risk factors in terms of you know, hospital readmission as well. Because um, you know, when you are from the lower social class, you're most likely to be disadvantaged in terms of the, where you are. Maybe they may have a, a problem for housing, which may have a big impact. Financial income, again, would have maybe some impact in terms of you know, the recovery. So a lot of these patients are most likely to be uh, affected by that. So it's quite important at least to pinpoint you know, those patients um, with a low income you know, to, be, uh, to, to get some help as well. The other thing, point that I had uh, looked, uh, you know, looked at as well is like male gender seems to be also a factor in terms of uh, uh, for uh, patients' readmission as well. And uh, from this study and as well as from the others, so they, they say that um, men seem to be socially isolated. And uh, because of that, they wouldn't have a good uh, social network. Maybe which may be amenable to interventions as something to be looked into as well. So for that reason, you know those patients um, uh, group should be uh, looked into because women tend to have in a good social network. They're going to uh, always, you know, health uh, behavior is really good compared to men. So, uh, so I think you know. If that's something we need to think about, you know, taking from this uh, finding as well as from the literature, that um, we should uh, making it, you know, uh, patients group specific, gender specific, you know, in terms of the intervention as well, that might help. And uh, as well as, you know, how we can help in terms of the increasing social support, social network, and um, if men are, you know, more likely to be socially isolated, 
then I think there's maybe an intervention in that area might might help as well. So uh, it will it is important I think to uh, pay attention in all these factors just to improve their uh, general function in daily activities as well. I think that's a really good point, Abba. I appreciate that. Mm. Um, no, I think, you know, at a minimum, you know, and Gardner, you pointed this out. I mean, it's, you know, your paper's title, this is an association. Um, you know, there's there's always limits to coding data, et cetera. But what I think, uh, and, and want to congratulate you and your team on, is that this is, um, you know, a very large data set that gives us a robust uh, view of, of a scope of a problem, and one that I think is, you know, at a minimum, worthy of clearly a lot more investigation and and to try targeted interventions to then determine if there's you know appropriate outcomes based on these interventions. Um, and I think at a minimum, it does highlight just that this problem. And I would argue, I think you do as well in the paper. Uh, generally, an underrecognized problem, probably underdiagnosed and undermanaged, uh, has an influence um, by some capacity on, uh, you know, an endpoint that right now we're all very interested in, and that's 30-day readmission rates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, congratulations to your team on, on, a, on a very nice paper. Um, um, and, you know, I think in a minimum, I hope you're, you know, uh, creating a lot of interest for a lot of different people to to explore this further, especially from the intervention side, as Dr. Giannis was just talking about. No, uh- that's very true, actually. Uh, I think clearly we need uh, more studies in this field to see what's the effect of these interventions, especially looking at outcomes, including 30-day readmission. And I think our hope is that this study provides a platform for further work um, in this field. Agree. Okay, guys, final yeah. thoughts. Yeah. Final thoughts, please. Ababa. All right, yeah, I think um, well, depression is, uh, and uh, as well as, you know, other psychiatric disorders are quite common in COPD patients, and therefore, um, you know, we need, we need to think of uh, more robust randomized controlled trials to see, you know, whether a uh, specific intervention is beneficial for this patient group. At this moment, um, from the literature that uh, I have looked at and others as well shown that is um, there are even pharmacological therapy, which seems to be beneficial in other conditions, seem not to benefit in you know, COPD patients. So the reason uh, that should be investigated, and then as well as also maybe um, as a case manager type of intervention would be something to think as well, because very often, you know, when the patient is being admitted uh, into the hospital, that rehabilitation should start as soon as the patient uh, is admitted, and then also that should be followed with the discharge planning as well, because if there is no a good discharge planning program, then the patient would fall on the crack, and then they're going to indicate support they need when they go home. So I think that is, uh, it is important for the patients uh, to get that appropriate support, and also uh, somebody from, you know, within the hospital or from the uh, uh, local services may be available just to, to give them some support they need because uh, it's going to, this is going to be a condition uh, seems to be quite a progressive and then so this patient will need an appropriate support. The other thing is to think about would be is for patients who have you know, a high level of anxiety and depressive symptoms, it is important to think about uh, a self-management program. How do they can manage at home? And then would they be able to uh, 
we will do things for themselves. It's not just, you know, a simple discharge and I'll see you in six weeks. But right. you know, to, to help, you know, because I think it has to be uh, a follow-up program in between as well, so that at least maybe if the patients are followed, you know, by telephone and uh, that they, how they're doing and if they have any architect observation, probably that could be uh, tackled at the same time as well. Wow. And then also to encourage them as well to be involved in a local uh, gymnasium to do exercises or just to improve their daily functioning, such as you know walking, you know outside the house if possible in daily basis. Because if they are going to do that, that's going to help them to improve their exercise capacity, then the ability to do things for themselves. Because initially, you know, when you are feeling low and depressed, you're not going to do that kind of activities. You feel, oh, well, you know, it's better to stay. And then any efforts, you know, make them breathless or they make them breathless and they seem to be housebound and they don't want to go out. It feeds so on itself. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what is, what's happening in a lot of patients as well. And then as well as, you know, if there is a possibility that, you know, even if they think of, okay, twice a week I'm going to the gym, that will be something that they're going to look forward, you know, you know, or I'll go to on a Friday or a Monday, you know, that makes them like you know, something to look forward to. And then when they go there and then they, they have a good uh, support system, then it will help them to improve in their general uh, physical functioning. So it's a chronic problem. This, therefore, I think we need to think about a multiple approach in how to support these patients uh, to improve their physical functioning. Agree. Agree. Grinder, final thoughts? So I think um, at this point what we can say is that uh, um, we, we also need to include the, these disorders uh, when we are screening the patients or we are seeing the patients in the hospital. And uh, before discharge, I think we need to put some more effort in discharge planning and make, ensuring that they do have a short-term outpatient follow-up. And as Dr. Johannes mentioned, that maybe having a social worker who's a case manager for that patient to give them a call a few days after the discharge to see how patient is doing. And uh, if we feel that they need to come in early, we get them early in the clinic or have a home visit uh, with the provider. I think those are the things uh, which will help us to manage these patients and also keep the patient motivated that we are also involved in their care. Perfect. Well, guys, thanks so much for uh, what, as expected, a, a terrific discussion and obviously on a problem that all of us are, are dealing with on a, on a regular basis. And, and uh, again, thanks for uh, the, the study and thanks for the conversation. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for having, having me. I really appreciate it. You guys have a fantastic day. Thanks.